Welcome to Late Night Disclosure, a fun apps podcast series for compliance professionals where we discuss industry pain points and insights. Uh, we are your hosts. My name is Kevin Raj Bhatia. I am the head of content here at FundApps, uh, and I've had over 10 years of experience in the compliance world. And I'm Carl Schindler. I'm lead regulatory expert here at FundApps, been with the firm about six years, focused on compliance and uh, our code here as well. Our guest today is uh, Dave Polanski. Hey guys, thanks for having me today. So um, just to give a little bit of background, I am part of the FundApps business development team. I've been with the company for nearly six years now. And uh, a fun thing about my role is that uh, being able to talk to all sorts of different funds and sell side entities and helping them uh, understand what we do and understanding what they do and trying to make sense of, of how to help them with their compliance program. Thanks very much, Dave, for joining us today. Uh, we just dive right into our topic, which of course is, is automation taking my job away? Of course, we're going to talk about that in relation to mainly compliance officers, but really those around this area of compliance and the IT or others in, the, in firms which are focused on this issue. So maybe I'll just let you take it away. Go ahead and uh, introduce us to, to the topic. So I think that one of the most uh, interesting bits of, of talking to people in the industry is that we, um, we are in a very complex area that changes uh, all the time from regulators, from a regulatory data point of view, from a form point of view, of a filing point of view, from even a time sensitivity point of view. Um, and it is something that is ripe for automation. However, the backdrop of a lot of these people, what they're working on is something that's been baked in, like institutionalized from a legacy system that's been around for 20 years. So you're talking to people who are reliant on older systems that are really risk-inducing. However, um, there is always the unspoken factor that by making their processes more efficient, um, it may impact their jobs in what can be perceived in a negative way. So it's always a, it's a juxtaposition. You have to be very delicate with how you kind of proceed in the space. Do you find, so, you know, if, if, if I'm a compliance professional, I would think I have, I am a compliance professional. Um, and I would think like, you know, more automation is, is always good because um, it's likely work I don't want to do. Have you found that? Yes. I mean, I, I think for people who let's say are more forward thinking and thinking about what is, what's the value they're adding to the company. They look at, okay, what processes can uh, be taken away from me and be automated so I could focus on something percentage more strategic or something that's actually better for the firm. Uh, unfortunately, there, and, and especially in a time we're seeing now where a lot of companies are reevaluating, you know, how, what, what resources they need in their offices and other places, people do get worried naturally about, well, if I take these parts of my jobs and, and they ended up, they end up going to different systems, what's that mean? So that is the area that you have to hopefully get through to them that this is something that's going to generally reduce risk for them and their company. I mean, there was just an article today about uh, the personal liability compliance professionals sometimes have to take on with doing things like sharing disclosure and realizing you it's a balancing act of, of, of what is best used, your best time is best used on and what you could reduce risk and how and where. So um, definitely um, something that we 
encounter, but a good parallel is something maybe that we've seen over time. So to rewind like five, six years ago, uh, when FunApps was just, um, well, we moved to AWS, I think around five years ago now, but when we went to like a pure cloud system and going to companies back then, and we were literally the only vendor in the space that was in the cloud, that was a conversation that a lot of people were super hesitant to go forward with. And under, they didn't understand the cloud, they didn't understand the protections of the cloud. And it, what we're having similar but different conversations about how that technology is gonna be actually better for you, that you're, you're not gonna be hosting these old servers in a server room and having someone literally to go and reboot it. Um, I see some parallels in those conversations like that we were having five years ago. And along, so, so you know, that technology risk you'd say um, has probably shifted over five years from they people thought it was safer to have your own servers and server rooms. And now it's sort of come, would you say it's come like, you know, a full 180 to, oh no, we don't want anything on site because that's not safe at all. We want it all in the cloud or, or where do you see the sort of shift? Well, we're, we're speaking here today in March, 2021, a year of, of COVID and working remotely. SaaS solutions have certainly been vindicated uh, as being the most safe option. Well, SaaS solutions that are hosted correctly, of course, but uh, the fact of having a server room and having IT professionals having to go into an office in the past year has been uh, kind of ludicrous. And we definitely had conversations early on in COVID about uh, people's companies falling over because they couldn't like figure out a way to get keyboards and like a mouse sent to their home because they had no remote work work setups at all and things like they built in-house so if someone had a proprietary solution for let's say Sherlin disclosure that was some an area where one it wasn't prioritized to begin with and secondly with everything else with remote shifting they just couldn't get into systems so we heard of a lot of nightmare scenarios with people who were relying on on-premise software so um, obviously uh, it's been a really strong year for all SaaS companies just just because of what happened Dave, yeah, looking back on so on this topic of automation changing jobs maybe taking jobs away i remember uh, at least 15 years ago when I started my career, there was already a debate ongoing about uh, order management processes, systems, compliance processes, whether you should have your IT team internally help you out, build some solutions internally. Maybe you become good at those IT, the nuances of those IT systems, or should you find something off the shelf or a vendor who might be willing to, to help you with that? Of course, evaluating that vendor, et cetera. Um, what would you say when you, when you, to firms and in your conversations with people uh, in the industry about they think they have really good programmers, they have really good compliance people, they, they think that they will be able to handle this themselves? What, have, what is your kind of reaction to that? Yeah, I think we started off around the same time 15 years ago. And, and, and back then, you know, there's so much more in-house built systems, whether it be order management systems, reconciliation systems, um, people love building software back then. And um, you've seen slowly over time that has been, that has changed and, and you very rarely see people building uh, a lot of these fundamental systems for a, a fund or sell side. Uh, you still see it every once in a while, but you, you just see the trend over time of buying off the shelf software is just so much easier uh, and, and so much better for your company. Um, and also I think there's been a lot more 
uh, brought to light about things that maybe weren't as talked about back then, things like key man risk. So yeah, you might have a star developer, you might have the most um, insanely talented uh, team of developers, uh, but very often is the case, people don't stay in jobs for forever. And then you have a ton of risks that are brought onto your systems. So I think people just have a better understanding of those risks now. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, obviously our solution or solutions in other spaces that have been built in and built on now for 10 plus years are going to be so much better from a functionality point of view from something that's built from scratch. But these legacy systems now um, have so much key man risk that uh, it's, it's really not worth the effort. Uh, and the other thing on, on that topic is, is if you do have um, strong development teams, and I know uh, for, for fun apps, we're lucky enough, we have a lot of quant funds who are our clients. We have these conversations all the time. They have teams and teams of, of super educated developers with PhDs. And sometimes the approach is, well, we have these guys and women, of course, who could build literally anything. Why would we pay for you guys to do it? And I think that is a conversation you still hear. And it always surprises me because um, I think sometimes people lose sight that they are not a technology shop and that their job at the end of the day is to create alpha for their clients. And I don't know, I actually never worked in the industry. Both of you guys have. So I would like to learn more about sometimes what's the thinking of like, it's a gray area. Are you guys uh, a fund or are you a tech shop? Because um, if you are a fund, then why would you have your, your strongest guys writing your black box, also building middle office, back office technology solutions. Yeah. And I, I'll say like, in, in my experience, at least in, that I've had, you know, my employers or when I was in the industry always wanted to find the best solution. It wasn't about building internally or, or externally. Um, so I, I think that is, is it's, I don't think it's rare. I think people are still coming around to it though, coming around to the idea that, that it's a tough sell because you have to convince this, this company or these people that they're not that special. And I think that that's, that's pretty difficult. I haven't really experienced it in, in my career, but, but I know we have clients, especially smaller clients who think, um, which is surprising, who think, oh no, no out of the box solution, no vendor could help me because my situation is so special. Um, we need, you know, this, this guy that has this one job to you know click this button. He's the only one who can click that button. No vendor could, could, could take that away from us. Um, so, so I think that's, that, that's a difficult sell, just convincing people they're, when it comes to regulations, um, they're not that special. And I hate to, I hate to sort of downplay it, but you know, it's, it's glorified division sometimes. Like we're just, we're just doing it in a systematic way that can be repeated and, and updated constantly that this is where people mess up when you think it's that easy and it's not really that easy. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I echo that. I think, I think what's happened is there are firms with certain operational complexities related to their investment process, or they, they have a, you know, algorithmic strategy, or they have some quants there. And, and you know, truly, they, they need some really good tech people there, right, for their investment process. And then they get used to that and say, well, why not leverage it for these other things we need to do? Let's, let's do that. It's just for compliance in a lot of other areas, it's just not the right approach to assume one should just take advantage of those, uh, those IT. Actually, it may overburden them. Uh, so they, and, and that's one of the things here too. We want 
to be able to focus on what's important. And, and our thing here, you know, and this is one of the reasons I joined FundApps is we can actually focus on this area and do it really well. You know, our thing is we want the best compliance outcomes for clients. And I think in most areas of compliance, um, it makes a lot of sense to, to have someone who really knows what they're doing and focus on that. And yeah. I think it, I think it goes to the point of like, what, as, as a firm, what, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Of course, if you are an algorithmic fund and you have your, your special black box, you should, of course, those PH, uh, PhDs and CS should be concentrated on that because that's how you generate your alpha. But when, when looking at different systems, what is your ROI um, of developing it yourself and, and increasing your risk for things like we talked about, like the key man risk and the technology risk versus having a solution that's off the shelf. And I haven't been convinced in any of my conversations that there's enough of a difference of what you could build to be absolutely fine tuned to your specific scenarios for your fund that can't be handled with uh, you know, a market leading solution. But um, that's a conversation that it's always fun to have. And, and, you know, I, 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 and I don't mean a single out quant fund, it's just they're the ones with the the big dev teams that we have these conversations and they're always interested in the new technology that's coming out so we have these conversations uh all the time uh versus let's say a uh a, a new fund launching and and these uh, this has been a good area for us because one of the differences we've seen with compliance and certainly a shift i've seen over the past five years is that um it used to be okay you're starting a fund uh, line up your pbs your admin your oms your accounting system and you know that's like the kind of fundamental uh systems you need in place and processes you have in place to launch more and more now we're we're getting there's more compliance involved in that launch and it's great because there's no complicated systems in place yet we could we could kind of implement super fast but that's another trend we're seeing is like off the bat when people are setting up their funds they're they they don't want this to be another thing to think about they're definitely not going to be building at that stage why do you think that is like what do you think the shift was to to bring that to the forefront uh, I have I ideas that, myself, but I'm, I'm just curious what, you, what you've heard or what you think. I think in general, it's been a shift of, of, of something what we were talking about before. What is, what is, what is turning the lights on for this company? And um, obviously middle office and back office are, are crucial, crucial entities, but um, those can be there there are so many resources now to supplement those teams that they don't have to be built out as much and front office is an area where you simply really can't do that. So I think people are now more looking for solutions in those parts of the business. I don't know. I'd be interested in, in your thought. Yeah. I, I think, I think two things. First, I would say, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, if, if you're starting out or, or trying to build a book or build something new, um, you want to like think about it as little as possible, right? So, so you want to try to find a vendor that you can scale with and grow with and just set it and forget it. And I think that's why we're seeing it come up a lot earlier. Um, I think there's a little bit, maybe not on the startup side, but a little bit, uh, at least in, in sort of larger players in the game of, of just the idea of never wanting to get it wrong. Um, you don't want to start you don't want to start your fund or start your launch with, with a regulatory fine, right? Because then, then it's sitting on your ADV uh, here in the US for, for some time. And I think people have seen that and, and just having to explain on every due diligence questionnaire, um, you'd rather sort of pay for it up front, get it out of the way, 
Um, well, I hope clients would, would rather pay for it up front and get it out of the way. Um, and it's the, the idea of scaling, like, like we've seen, people have seen what happens when you, when you put up, put these things off. Um, and I think, you know, Carl and I, and, and definitely you've been in this company for long enough to know what an implementation looks like for a fund that's just starting out and has resources to build these things versus someone who's been, you know, around for a long time. They have like complicated IT, complicated data sources. Um, you'd rather get it, you know, when you have a chance to get it done smoothly versus trying to like backfill everything in. I wanted to ask you related to that actually about um, this whole idea of you know having worked myself for larger companies um, that with having having some systems in place already. This idea of legacy systems. Uh, you also mentioned that you know regulatory change is really um, a theme, of course, since the financial crisis, but continues. There's so much new regulation happening in this in the space that we deal with the shareholding disclosure. It's one in particular, in my experience, that you can see really a, a ton of change. Uh, actually, just this week, I think the in the SSR regime, uh, ESMA just uh, moved the threshold, removed the temporary threshold, and now we have another rule update. We had a blog on that recently. So, this is a space where we really have a lot of change. How does that resonate with client uh, prospects or those in the industry clients you've talked to? And how did that? Are they fearful of how they can switch to technology given the legacy systems? I think um, I think it depends. I think that we've seen a range of of project teams that could work really efficiently and do things quickly, and other teams that that can't. And I think, um, especially when you get into the enterprise space, when there's multiple systems at play, either based off a of geography or strategy, where there's things being fed in and there's siloed information, um, that's that's where you know that's how um, consultancies um, make their living because of those complexities and and helping sometimes companies help help, help with these projects. Um, so I, I mean. I think more and more people understand the risks of, of these legacy systems. Um, I mean, in Canada, famously, there's a system that was built by one bank that a lot of other banks were using and slowly they're all getting off of that system because they realize that it, it creates a ton of risk internally for them. Um, and, and I think people are just better identifying that now. And um, to a point uh, Kevin Raj was making earlier, so uh, we, I remember conferences seem so novel. So the last conference I was at, which was uh, February of last year, uh, I was sitting next to somebody who was at a fund of funds and while they're figuring out what we do, they're like, oh, so you're basically like making sure people stay off the DRP page, which is not something I was familiar with really as a concept, but uh, as a fund of fund, that was one of like the first stops that they made when deciding to invest in a fund was seeing have they had to write anything in their DRP page. Um, and it surprises me that some some funds don't even know about it. And so um, it's, it's an area where I think people are putting increased importance because if there's something in there that obviously gives a lot of reputational risk to you as a company, and next time you're trying to, you know, raise money for a fund, uh, it's definitely something people, people explore. Um, not to dive off the legacy system question, but it was something um, I, I just fondly remembered at my last conference. And I know without going into details, but I, I've been involved in reviewing marketing material uh, where it, 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 it was, you know, do we have to disclose or, or the, what, what is the risk in disclosing X 
fine that we've gotten before. And so these reputational risks are, are, are really important uh, to consider at firms, at least from my experience. I'm sure, Kevin, you've had similar. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting, you know, go, taking, going back to the topic of, of automation. Um, but I could see, I could see some, some clients or prospects or people in the industry who might say, you know, this is a reason we don't want automation. You know, I don't want to put my, put my stuff in a black box, you know, with a third party vendor. Um, you know, I, I, my guys are really smart. I, I would stick with them. Um, what do you think about that, Dave? No, it definitely happens. And, and this also ties in with people who built their own systems. They're saying, we built this to the nth degree to be so specific to our situations um, because we want to be as exact as possible. And uh, I think that comes down. And, 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 and so it's a valid argument. We, our approach is, Everything we do is extremely transparent, uh, not, not to give a fun up sales pitch, but everything is completely transparent. You can look at the rules, you can see what values we're taking into it, you could click through anything to get a wealth of information about it. And also um, having you know, as many clients and, and having the most clients and, and assets of anyone in the industry, we've seen every situation and being able to put variables in place and, and, and processes in place to take that into account. Um, obviously that is that goes into our power of numbers and it's much safer to do it in unison with the industry rather than maybe um, your general counsel's take on something specifically, which may not be perfect, um, which is, and, and so it's an interesting thing to play where people are saying, no, we want to customize because we want full control, but they might inadvertently be creating risk because they might not be getting it 100% right. And we do see that all the time. I mean, uh, in, in average, and I, I know we have a stat out there somewhere, we ask people who have finished implementations, how many disclosures they've had one year after implementing versus the year previous. And it does go up something by like 50%. Um, and that shows that there are being missed disclosures out there. And I don't know, maybe plausible deniability of, of not having system in place could be a thing, but I, I hope, I hope not. I, I think like, I also, you know, I think that's exactly right. But I think you know, even if you have institutional knowledge about your business and the regs, it's always like at a set point in time, right? Like it's when you built it, it's your business at that time. We think it's perfect. And, you know, I think with any third-party solution that's constantly evolving, we're constantly updating, we're constantly changing, we're constantly getting new clients. So you might, when you built your system, you might've been doing a certain type of trading or a certain type of asset management. What if that changes? I hope it's changing for you over time. You know, I hope you're evolving um, and you have to do it all over again. Whereas, you know, a third-party system might already have that experience or might have clients that have had that experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that the general trend has been towards just automating all the things and and getting this away from uh, a certain person's responsibility. Um, but I, I don't know, it's definitely maybe a, a little bit geographical segmentation wise where you see this pop up more certainly more in kind of the quantitative funds who have the ability to build more but as far as an industry in general there's been a pretty clear move away from from the building side of things i think in my experience just related to that as well is is you know we and we may talk about machine learning or ai because these these terms are thrown thrown around a lot at, at future episodes but you know, as, as, as you mentioned, our algorithm is transparent. And so people have been more open to not only vendors, but really looking at what they can automate, even in areas where you need to complicated areas like aggregation that we talk about, those can actually be automated. You know, you, we, we ask our 
those that we talk to in the industry to challenge us. Tell us what are the things that you think that can't be automated um, and have a discussion with us about them. Let, let's look into it. And, and most of the time, those are. So it's been it's actually cool to see over time as, as we've gotten, as, as the company's grown, how we can tackle some of these things. So it's definitely a trend. One question I, I have for, for people who've been in the industry before, what percentage of the fines and sanctions that are coming from the regulators um, are public versus private? Because you, you see some of the big ones in the headlines and you see some of the ones like in Sweden where they have like a process in place of making it public. Um, no need to name names of companies, of course, but like how often does a regulator come back and just say, um, here, fix your systems, pay a small fine, we'll keep it private. Is that the common practice right now? Uh, I'll, I'll say, I don't think so. I've, I've, in my professional career, I haven't dealt with, um, any sort of secret fines that they've, I mean, I wouldn't tell you if I had, <laughs> but, but, but I think, uh, it's more likely, especially with the European regulators, you just get your fine and it's, they like publish it on the website. Um, it, it, that's just really how, how they're doing it. I think there are definitely cases with, with settlements and, and, you know, admitting or denying liability um, that are, de- that are happening. I just don't know, like, like, like personally or, or anywhere I work that wasn't public at the time. Yeah. I think it's really important. You know, the, the, the idea is that the CCO or the council is going to get You need to treat these things as if they may go public, as if yeah. your, your, your reputation may be damaged. So in, in a way it is interesting probably to look at that, but it's in the, at the end of the day, you know, you may not know where you might uh, have, have an error. Um, this is a complicated area. So it's, it's almost like, well, treat it as if uh, it could go public. I guess I guess my question is a lot of the conversations I have are with uh, potential clients who say, so we just spoke to this regulator and they give them a warning. And that's not something that's ever going to be public information. Yeah. Um, but that is that often sparks the conversation internally. And, and I, I think that is at least in the Americas, usually one of the uh, initiators of having a conversation or a review of their systems. Um, and I always found that interesting, like, uh, is, is, and, and, and I guess regulators have different leniencies, um, but wondering like how, how many, how many strikes you get before you get that fine. It depend on if you came clean or if they found it in an investigation, uh, many factors, but yeah. Yeah. I, I have the feeling like, you know, regulators don't want to work that hard either you know so you they you know to bring a fine and to go through the case and do all those things uh, it's pretty difficult and i think the the warning is is pretty easy especially if it's self-reported um but yeah there's tons of factors yeah very that was varying a little bit off the uh the topic, yeah, the of topic. automation um so i think just just wrapping it up um uh, i guess your conclusion dave is automation is taking my job away would you say I would say automation is taking the manual and risk prone processes of your job away. Um, But you should look at that in the forward thinking. Now, I'm not a a career uh, counselor or anything like that. But if you are in a job that's uh, solely reliant on manual processes, um, then you don't really have much job security to begin with. And um, 
yeah, you should be looking at how you could bring change within an organization, I would hope, um, because that is where you could bring more value and make the company, uh, put the company in a better place. So I, I think it's a very complicated conversation. There's a lot of factors we talked about today between technology, reputation, uh, key man, but at the end of the day, uh, I would, if you, <laughs> I, I don't think um, anyone is going to say we're going in a place where on-premise and and build it yourself is coming back. And so, getting yourself in the correct situation sooner rather than sooner than later is, is going to be better for you and your company. So, I hope people realize that. All right, thanks, Dave. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Late Night Disclosure, a FundApps podcast series. If you have any questions or feedback please tweet us at at fundapps or visit fundapps.co to get in touch. Until next time.